the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Okay, so we've been on a series that we broadly captioned, follow me. Somebody say, follow me. Amen. We have to understand that the call of God is a call to follow. Somebody say, the call of God is a call to follow. Amen. Yeah, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, met a man by the name of Matthew, and he told him, follow me. And the Bible says he left everything and began to follow him. He didn't know what the following meant, but he began to follow. God calls us to follow him and he leads us to follow him in different, different places. And we said that if you are going to follow God, we need to learn how to follow him. Jesus actually said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy lady, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me. That is the same word that has to do with following. Take my yoke and follow me, for I am meek and lowly, and you'll find rest for your soul. Somebody say, I'm a, I'm a follower. Okay, if you're following God, we also need to learn how we ought to follow him. How are we supposed to follow him? What kind of followers does God expect us to be? What kind of followers does God expect us to be? We said that, among many things, we should be faithful followers, we should be available followers, we should be decisive followers, we should be orderly followers, we should be intimate followers, we should be, we should be sacrificial followers, and then we should be humble followers. Somebody say humble followers. Okay, so we've been on humble followership for the past weeks, and we want to continue tonight as we explore First Peter chapter 5 and verse number five to six he says likewise younger people submit yourselves to your elders yes all of you be submissive to one another turn to your neighbor and say submit to me as i submit to you yeah he said be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility somebody say wait, wait. say wait, wait. uh-huh wear it be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And Colossians chapter 3 verse number 12 and 13, he says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Somebody say, I am holy because I'm chosen by God. Okay, so he says, because God chose you to be his holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Praise the Lord. So we said we have to be clothed with humility. Somebody say, I must wear the garment of humility. 
And in this year of grace, if there is one virtue we want to grow in, is the virtue of humility. Praise the Lord. Because you can't talk about grace until there is an admission of human weakness. There is an admission of human limitation. Until there is an admission of human powerlessness. That's what humility is. A humble person simply acknowledges his powerlessness. He understands that by himself he can accomplish nothing. By himself he can do nothing. The Bible said, except the Lord build the house of labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep watch over the city. The watchmen wake, but in vain. And so we said that we need to wear the garment of humility for five reasons. Number one is that it is critical for followership. Somebody say followership. We can't follow God without humility. Abraham was old, 75-year-old man. God comes to him and said, get thee out of your father's house and begin to follow me. And he didn't even tell him where he was following him to. If Abraham had been an arrogant person, he would tell him, God, sit down, let me ask you something. You don't talk to a 75-year-old man like that. I am very, very old. Where are you leading me to? What are the terms? What am I going to get there? He just stepped out and he began to follow God. And so in the end, he obtained that which God wanted him to obtain. I pray that the faith to follow God will be released upon your life. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. It takes humility to follow God. And then, of course, it takes humility for us to enjoy fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. fellowship. If you are going to enjoy fellowship with one another, we need humility. Without humility, we can't walk in fellowship with one another. And then, of course, we said humility is a foundation. Somebody say it's a foundation. What is it a foundation for? It's a foundation for greatness. It's a foundation for service. It's a foundation for ministry. The Bible said before honor is humility. And then, of course, we said that we need to wear the garment of humility because it brings us into intimacy with God. It makes you God's favorite. If God is looking for people to wine and dine with, if God is looking for people to Hold dear to his heart. He's looking for the humble. That's what scripture tells us. And then, of course, we said that without humility, we are left with nothing but a life of frustrations. And I know you don't want to be frustrated in life because God is a specialist at frustrating people who are proud. When you walk in pride, God frustrates your efforts. Every move you make, he makes sure that he fails. From today, your moves will succeed. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. The Bible says that the way of a man is not in himself. Somebody say, my way is not in myself. Yeah, the Bible says there's a way that seemed right unto a man, but the end of are the ways of death. That is uh, Proverbs 14, 12 and Proverbs 16, 25. We began exploring 15 uncommon attributes of a humble follower, among which we said a humble follower thinks soberly of himself. Somebody say, a humble follower. Thinks soberly of himself. A humble follower is submissive to every God-ordained authority in his life. A humble follower, among many things, serves. A humble follower receives correction with a godly attitude. All of those things, we looked at them. Today, I want to walk you through 12 practical keys that can help you to live a life of humility. Somebody say 12 practical keys. Say practical keys. Uh-huh. You have to learn how to walk in humility. Humility is something that is important to God. But humility is not a gift. Somebody say it's not a gift. Say it's not a gift. Yeah, humility is not a gift. It's a fruit. It's a fruit of godly character. 
If you are looking for the components of godly character, the ones you will find there is humility. Come with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The Bible talks about meekness there. But the fruit, somebody say the fruit. Say the fruit. The fruit of a spirit is what? Oh, say it. The fruit of a spirit is what? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That's what they've interpreted as uh, gentleness. Gentleness has to do with meekness and humility. Gentleness uh, is the same word that has been translated as such. Meekness. I think the King James says meekness. But the New King James says gentleness. Against such, there is no law. One of the vital fruits of the spirit is humility. So, you see, you don't have to struggle to be humble. You simply have to yield to the spirit of God and to the word of God to work in humility. It's not something that you try to do from outside you. So you don't try to walk some way to show that you are humble. You don't try to dress some way to show that you are humble. You can do all of that and the heart is still not there. You have to understand that it's from within. We have to bring our mind into alignment. That's the first practical key. Bring your mind into alignment. Somebody say, my mind must be in alignment. Okay, that is what it means to renew your mind with the word of God. When the Bible says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, he's simply saying that your mind is not in alignment with God's word. So bring your mind into alignment with God's word. That is Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2. Verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. Somebody say the renewing. Say the renewing. Say the renewing. Uh The word is renewing of your mind. That is a subject that we'll be dealing with very soon. Renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. You can never live the life that you have in Christ without renewing your mind. Your mind has to be renewed. Everything that God has said about you is true. But you can never walk in the reality of it until your mind is renewed. Your mind comes to a place where it accepts that what God has said is true. And then you begin to pattern your life after that. That is renewal of the mind. Jesus says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That is what Paul tells us in the book of Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Humility, I realize, is principally an issue of the mind. It's a spirit, but it oppresses through the mind. If you meet an arrogant person, he has a certain mindset, which is inconsistent with scripture, which makes him feel that he's top and higher and above everybody. That's how they think. And you have to learn to bring your mind in line with scripture. There are a lot of people who are born again, they are saved, but in character, they don't look like God. They don't look like him at all. They are saved, sanctified. Their spirit is pure. If they die, heaven is their place. But they are not reflecting Christ very well because their mindset has not been renewed. The Bible said to be carnally minded is that. So you can be saved, but you still walk with a carnal mind. Your mind minds the things of the flesh. You mind the things that are pertains to the natural element. The rudiments of this world, they dominate your life much more than the word of God dominates your life. When people think about worldliness, most of the time we think about not wearing short skirts, not wearing jeans, not wearing all of those things. That's not the biblical definition of worldliness. 
Worldliness principally is, and that is not an excuse to go where any nyama nyama things. That's all I'm saying. But listen, when we talk about worldliness, it is when you are thinking outside God's word. Worldliness is when your mind refuses to conform to the details of God's word. The Bible said the carnal mind sets his mind on the things that are of the flesh. That is what Romans tells us. Romans chapter 8. Give me Romans chapter 8. Cartilisa Bradosse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no adjudging guilty of wrong for those who are in, who live and walk not after the, not after the details of the flesh, but the details of the spirit. When you are born again, the thing that should define your life should be the details of the spirit. Go to verse 2. He says, for the law of the spirit of life which is in Jesus, the law of our new being. Somebody said the law of our new being <laughs> has freed me from the law of sin and of death. God has done what the law could not do. Its power being weak by the flesh, the entire nature of the man without the Holy Spirit, sending his son in the guise of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, God condemns sin in the flesh, subdue over power, overcame, deprived of its power over all that accept its sacrifice. Verse 4. So that the righteous man, I think we should go to verse 6. Verse 6 is where my emphasis really is. Yeah. Now the mind of the flesh, which is the sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. Death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and so peace, both now and forever. Verse 7. That is, because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes, is hostile to God. How many of you remember that in the book of James, he says, friendship with the world is enmity with God. How many of you remember that? You remember that? Uh -huh. Here he's saying the same thing. When your mind is not in alignment with God, you simply operate like the enemy of God because all the things that must advance the cause of Christ, you go against it. Like Paul was talking about, he says that some people, they are God is their belly. They are the enemies of the cross. So, something you are supposed to be fighting and advancing, you become an opponent because your lifestyle negates its purpose. I pray that we will be liberated from the power of the flesh. So, we're talking about the mind. The fact that your mind must be renewed. And listen, that's why in the book of Romans, he said, by the renewing of your mind. He didn't say, by your renewed mind. It's not something you do one time and finish. Every time you hear the word of God, you have an opportunity to renew your mind. Every time. That's why exposure to the word of God is what brings transformation to the mind. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, we are with open face, beholding us in the glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed. The same word that is used in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, be not conformed, but be transformed. Here he says, are changed. The same Greek word is the one that is used there are changed into the same image from glory to glory. From glory to glory. How does it happen? By beholding. By beholding. James talks about whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues beholding the perfect law. He not being a forgetful hearer, are changed into the same. So we need to walk and embrace a new mindset. Somebody say a new mindset. There's victory for you in Christ. I said there's victory for you in Christ. 
Uh, it's not something that you have to pray for. It's already available for you. Your mind must come into a place where it accepts that you have victory in Christ. Whatever you are dealing with. Praise the Lord. He leads us in triumph in all things. That's what scripture tells us. The Bible says, for which cause we fail not, for though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. For a light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. In the book of Romans, he said, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He said, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Am I communicating here? Now, you see, when you come to a place where your mind begins to accept that and you walk in the reality of that, you walk in victory. You walk in victory every day. I see you live in victory. Amen. You will not be defeated again. Amen. You walk in dominion Amen. in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Number two is cultivate a lowly mind. Cultivate a lowly mind. <laughs> it takes a lowly heart and a lowly mind to walk in humility. Somebody say, a lowly heart and a lowly mind. Yeah. Jesus said, come unto me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Lowly, 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 lowly. In other words, think of yourself low. Don't think of yourself too high. Think of yourself low. Don't think of yourself too high. The natural disposition is to think of yourself too high. None of us want to be made to feel like we are nothing. I'm not communicating here. All of us, we have a certain sense of importance. And it's not bad. The Bible talks about it. We are not saying that just be feeling like you are not worth anything. You are not worthless. Jesus did not come and die for a worthless being. I'm not communicating here. I believe that I'm a person of value. But I am a person of value because of Christ, not because of myself. Paul said that in my flesh dwells nothing good. So in this flesh, by this flesh, in this flesh, there is nothing meaningful. But in Christ, I am so important. I'm not communicating here. That's why the Bible says, he that makes him boast, let him boast in Christ. The psalmist used to talk about that a lot. Psalm 34 verse 1. He said, I'll bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord. You see, there are two places you can boast. You can boast in yourself or you can boast in God. You can boast in yourself or you can boast in God. Paul said that we are of the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and have no confidence. We have other translations that we have no boasting in the flesh. When he came to the church of Corinth, guys, people were boasting. They are apostles. He said, this foolish boasting. I can also boast. But if I want to really boast, I will boast about the things that pertain to my relationship with Christ and my service and devotion to him. So you have to have a lowly mind. Somebody say a lowly mind. Yeah, you need it. I need it. The Bible talks about this in the book of Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Did you see that? Did you see that? In what? Lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than... That's the only thing that can help you to esteem others. When you think lowly of yourself, you will think highly of others. And if you think highly of others, you respect them. I'm not communicating here. You respect their opinion. When they make a point, you allow them when they are speaking to you, you give them a hearing ear, and you think that they too have sense. But when you think high of yourself, when any other person is speaking, okay, you are finished, eh? now listen to me. I'm going to show you what to do. 
There are some people, when you are in a meeting with them, their arrogance sometimes can mess everybody up. They don't know how to have a meeting. Yeah, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? Oh, I thought you guys had very useful ideas. So you listen to me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. Because they think so high of themselves. You need to learn to think low of yourself. Look at this. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace or merited favor of God given to me, I want everyone among you not to estimate. This is it. Estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And he's explaining what he meant. Not to have an exaggerated opinion of his importance. That's it. You know what it means to have an exaggerated opinion of your importance? When you are dressed and you are looking like caricature and you think that you are like, you are misworld. <laughs> you have an exaggerated opinion of yourself. Yeah. You think you are the best thing that ever happened to anyone. You see, you have an exaggerated opinion of yourself. <laughs> Am I communicating here? I'm sure you've met people who have an exaggerated opinion about themselves. And they really piss you off, don't they? That is the same way you also piss other people off when you begin to manifest the same thing. Very, very annoying. The Bible says we should not. And you see, most of the time one boy is talking about these things he introduced it with grace. Yeah, because you see, when it comes to your work with God and your work for God, everything is undergirded by grace. And when grace steps into a matter, it's no longer of you. Your salvation is of grace. Whatever you are able to do is of him. The Bible said, for in him we move, in him we live, in him we have our being. So you don't have an existence outside God. Really. So when you understand this, you can't go about bragging and throwing your weight about as if you can exist without him. That's why the rich fool, he got pissed off and brought him down too quickly. Because he was just talking, talking, talking as if he had control of everything. He had a control over his business, but he didn't have control over his soul. So when he finished talking about, I build this, I build that, I build that, in a few verses of scripture, he used the word I, just like Isaiah used it for Satan. I. I'll pull down, I'll pull down, I'll pull down, I'll pull down. Because by break of day, we will see where you'll be to pull it down. Don't have an exaggerated opinion of yourself. Look at this. Second Samuel chapter 6. Saul's daughter, Michael, had an exaggerated opinion of herself. Okay, so let's start from verse 19. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread and a piece of meat and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Verse 20. And he departed, David returned to bless his household. And Micah, the daughter of Saul, came out to what? Listen to a person who has an exaggerated opinion about herself. And expected that David would also walk in the same reality. He says, how glorious was the king of Israel today. Uncovering himself today in the eyes. Now look at this. In the eyes of the maids of his servants. So these are people who are nobodies. If you are looking for friendship, you shouldn't look there. These are people who didn't go to school. They went to Achisco. You went to Atimota. They are not supposed to be your mates. You know, we don't flow with people like that. <laughs> As one of those base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. That's what he said. David, you are king. You should know that you are king. And listen, if you are in a position of leadership, 
Anywhere you find yourself, people are comfortable with leaders who make them feel comfortable in their presence. Leadership is not given so that people will feel your importance. No. Leadership is given so that people will feel comfortable in your presence. Am I communicating here? Yeah, that's a leader. A leader is the one that relaxes people. Not when people see you, they are so tense. They can't do anything. Literally, your presence gives people a high blood pressure. That's not a leader. David said to Micah, it was before the Lord who chose me. He said, now listen. He said, it was before the Lord who chose me. So David is putting her right. He says, listen, I can be bossy anywhere. I can be proud anywhere. But we are dealing with God. I cannot bring my cocotiness before God. It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over Israel. Therefore, I'm going to do worse things. I'm going to play. May we learn to play before God. I said, may we learn to play before God. Yeah, because you see, when you are before a person who has an exaggerated sense of himself, you are not yourself. If you, you are not principal, but the time you realize you are dancing to their tune, you begin to act funny. So David said, listen, you have not seen anything yet. I know where they started. I know where he picked me from. And I know how I have been where I am. You can't stop me. If you can't marry me, the marriage is over. I'm going to go wild. In fact, the message version says, I'm going to be wild. I will play. <laughs> I'm going to be wild. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's always somebody better than you. Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's always somebody better than you. Yeah, yeah, because you see, the reason why you have an exaggerated sense, opinion about yourself is because you think that you are the end of human beings. You are the epitome of God's creation. There is nobody beyond you. Nobody great. <laughs> when we see you, we have ended. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard the saying that the beautiful ones are not yet born. Yeah. 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 That's why every year there's a new Miss World. It's to show you that they are still discovering some new people. Esther 119. If he pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from here and let it be recorded in the laws of the patients and of the Mets, so that it not be uttered that Vashtar shall not come no more before the king Ahasuerus and let the king give her royal position to another one who is better than she. Tell to your neighbor, say there's somebody better than you. Yeah. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Be careful you don't lose your place. You don't, you don't. You can easily lose your place. In the book of Revelation said, Behold, I come quickly. Be careful no man takes your crown. When Elijah came before God and he was bragging, everybody has left. Oh, I'm here. I'm the only apostle, only prophet. I'm the only proper man of God now. I'm the only. <laughs> a couple of years ago, there was a pastor in Accra. He really used to blast a lot of pastors. He had all kinds of nasty things you're saying about pastors. At some point, he sounded as if he was a holy, holy man of God. And usually when people begin to present themselves like that, in fact, what will even make you present yourself like that is pride. And that is the sin that originated sin. The sin that originated sin is pride. It's the mother of all sins. He has passed. <laughs> Because God did not bring you here as a policeman. Are you here with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, God is very merciful because sometimes if he doesn't take you out early, you may mess up the good things you have started. It's not every quick going that is what a shock. Some of them are purposeful goings. 
God just takes you. The Bible says he takes you. Now, number three, remind yourself of God's goodness and celebrate him for it at all times. Somebody say, remind yourself of God's goodness. Now, if you are going to walk in humility, this is something you must always remember. You must always remember the goodness of God. Always remember. Always remember. And increasingly, Satan blinds us to the goodness of God. He increasingly blinds us to the goodness of God. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within him, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. All his benefits. All his benefits. All his benefits. And he listed a number of things that no one could get them. David said, it was before the Lord. It was before the Lord who chose me. When David used the language, chose me, he was just thinking about who he was. When he was a little shepherd boy, taking care of his father's sheep at the backside of a desert, he took his mind back all the way to the days when the man Samuel came with a horn of oil to his father's house and, and lined all his siblings up and they were looking for one person to be anointed as king. And the first one came, they said no. The second one came, they said no. The seventh one came, they said no. The eighth born came. Then they said the Lord's anointed. That's what David is referring to when he said the Lord chose me. At this time, he was a king. But he had not forgotten where the choice was made. He remembers that there were many people who were vying for his position. But he was chosen. Some of them came with muscle. They came to show off. We are killing man. In fact, some of them looked like kings so much that when somewhere saw them and said, ah, the Lord's anointed. The Lord's anointed. Because there are some people, the things they have, they don't look like they deserve it. How many of you have received something you don't deserve? And you see, it is practically impossible to walk in pride. When you know what you have, you didn't deserve it. But when you feel that you overqualify for it, and so you get because there are people who think that they overqualify for it. You have a husband, you feel you are overqualified for him. In fact, you have even done him a favor marrying him. You have done your wife such a service, such an honor marrying her. You have done your boss a favor working in his company. Because you are Joseph. Jacob. <laughs> Praise the Lord. David said, I remember. Number four. Demonstrate your dependence on God through a lifestyle of prayer. If you are going to walk in humility, this is also key. Demonstrate your dependence on God. Somebody say, my dependence on God. Say, my dependence on God. Say, I depend on you. You see, when we say a year of grace, we are simply saying a year of absolute and total dependence. Depending on God. Because that's what grace is. Paul prayed three times about a matter. God didn't answer him. Then he said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. My power is made perfect. You have to learn how to depend on the grace of God. And one way we demonstrate our dependence on the grace of God is through a lifestyle of prayer. You see, when you don't pray, you are simply saying you can survive by yourself. You are okay. That is why... When you don't pray, that is a communication you are giving. You see, there is a verbal language and non-verbal language. You get it? Uh-huh. Sometimes, you are not saying anything with your mouth, but your eyes have said everything. And there are things we do to say something to God. When we pray, we are saying to God, we need you. 
When we pray, we are saying to God, we are helpless without you. When we pray, we are saying, Lord, we depend absolutely on you. Without your power, we are nothing. That is what people of prayer do. Every time you pray. So prayer is not a means of asking something from God. Prayer is a demonstration of dependence on God. That without him, you are nothing. That is why we pray. So when you don't pray, it's easy to walk in pride when you don't pray. It's easy, it's easy, it's easy. The act of prayer is itself humbling because before you pray, it is an admission that there is a power that is higher than you. That's why you pray. And that is the admission that God wants to see in order to come into your life. That's why in the book of 2 Chronicles 7, 14, he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves first and pray, will humble themselves first and pray. You can't pray without humility. Nobody prays when he's arrogant. But when you are humble, you can pray. Even when you come into prayer and you are proud, your pride will manifest itself. Remember the Pharisee. <laughs> you see, he comes there, he says, Lord, I've come on, you know me. <laughs> I have a clean plate for you. <laughs> Number five, resist the temptation to place your confidence in the flesh instead of God. If you are going to walk in humility, resist the temptation. Resist carefully. Resist the temptation. Because you see, when you have nothing, eh, there are some things that are no temptations. But when you begin to get some things, those same things begin to serve as temptations. Are you here with me? Yeah. When you have nothing, there are things that are no temptations. There are some sins you can't even afford. They are too expensive for you. So you can't, it's not a temptation. It's too expensive for you. You can't afford it. So it's not a matter of the fact that you are holy. The reason why you are not doing it is because you don't have the means. Get the means first and don't do it. Then we'll salute your holiness. Am I communicating here? Resist the temptation to put confidence in the flesh. The more you receive, the more you have. I mean, when you go high, <laughs> the higher you go, the more difficult it becomes to bring yourself down. And because the higher you go, the more things you can rely on, you can trust in. You are not depending on God to keep you in health. You are depending on your finances to be able to take you to the best of hospitals. Am I communicating here? You don't know that it's pride, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's pride. God is no longer your life source. Your money is your life source. That's what the Bible says in the book of 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. It says, Child them that are rich in this world, that they be not a man, nor trust in uncertain riches. Of course, number six, never underestimate the rich rewards a lifestyle of humility guarantees. If you are going to live a life of humility, you must always remind yourself that it pays to be humble. Turn to your name and say, it pays to be humble. Say, it pays to be humble. Yeah, yeah, it pays, it pays. And the reward is amazing. It has much less returns. The rewards a lifestyle of humility brings your way, it is too much. God gives you grace. God opens doors. Honor happens to those who are humble. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 verse 4, he said, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches. So you can even become rich through humility. Do you know some people are poor because of pride? They are poor. They are poor. Washi designer shoes when bank account. Yeah, yeah. People see him and say, I call it the 
So in the book of Proverbs, he said, there is a man who behaves himself poor, yet he's very rich. Don't be in competition with anybody. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Don't try to impress anybody. You will end up depressing yourself and dying early. May the Lord help us walk in humility. Lift up your hands and ask God to help you. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no.